It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. We are, and we're talking about it from Albania to Leicester and coming up to London. No, the big three in the snooker world at, at the minute, I think. <laughs> wasn't it? That's a kind of maverick way of starting the podcast. Wasn't sure what you were <laughs> going to say there. Quite, quite like that. Yeah, absolutely, Phil. Yeah, loads of snooker going on, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, all to be reflected on. But I think that predominantly it's Clandidno. Most of our thoughts, aren't they? Uh, not to downgrade Albania and Leicester. We'll fill you in on what's happening there to come, but. We have very much Welsh thoughts in our heads, don't we? Because the Welsh Open's coming up. What an absolutely cracking tournament that 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 really promises to be. Uh, and that's coming your way beginning on Monday morning. And that's the main reason for this episode. We're going to look forward to this uh, brilliant uh, Home Nations tournament to come. Just to say, Phil, we were actually genuinely hoping to bring the listeners Tom Ford as a guest in, in this episode. Um, Tom's a bit under the weather, unfortunately, isn't he? So we... We said to him, you know, about a, a million trillion times more important than this podcast is he gets himself feeling 100% ready for his match against Ian Burns at, at the Welsh. So we said we'll postpone that episode, but it's only a postponement, not cancellation, important to say. And uh, we've earmarked Tom now for the end of February. We thought a good chance to talk through his campaigns at the Welsh and the players. And we've, uh, we've penciled in. February the 25th, haven't we, for Tom Ford. It's going to be a cracking guest on here. We actually said it on social media, not on here, because it was quite a quick arrangement that we got it done. But in the end, couldn't happen. But do get your questions in for Tom, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. So it's a postponement for a while, Phil, but we know when he comes on, he'll be a, a great value. And thanks to you for setting that up. Yeah, I think it might be one of those sort of happy accidents. Um, obviously, it would have been good this week, but um, yeah, he's got the Welsh and the players to come and uh, we're hoping for that week after the players. So um, he'll have some tales to tell from those two. So um, yeah, it may turn out to be for the best in the end. It will if he bloody wins one of them. It'll be... Oh, it'll, yeah. it'll be no reason why he can't. In fact, I should say that Richard Mann, my, my colleague of Sporting Live, having a look earlier, has tipped Tom Ford to win the tournament. He's also expecting good things from Gary Wilson and Matt Selt, but he, he has tipped Tom Ford. So, um, well, as I've been writing for the last couple of days and in my new column that's, that's up now, this tournament has a brilliant history of throwing up, you know, great stories from its start, really, over three decades now. 
But I think particularly the last three years, Phil, it's just been pure emotion, hasn't it? I mean, get your hankies out. It really has been. I mean, you were there. And of course, that's all in the line for this podcast. I remember very well you being there. And I think you were, I always remember you describing, you were pacing up and down so excited in that press room when Jordan Brown did it. I think I wrote in the column, though, we'd have all been forgiven for thinking that might be a lower key week. No fans there in the grip of the pandemic, but instead one of the great triumphs, upset triumphs of the ages. Then Joe Perry in, in 2022. I mean, you had to be, you know, hard of, I'm quoting my column here a lot, sorry. You had to be hard of heart not to be moved by that. Those scenes with his parents, they weren't there for his first ranking event win in Thailand. They could be there for that. At Joe's age, marvellous. But then possibly even more emotional, Robert Milkins last year. I mean, thanks to you and others, but predominantly you, really. In recent times, we know you know, about Rob's adversities, his difficulties off the table. So that was just so emotional. I mean, did one thing winning in Gibraltar, that delighted the snooker world. But then to do it in Wales. What is it about this tournament, Phil? Who writes the scripts for the Welsh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, and it's it's interesting. It's sort of when you look back at those winners, just looking at the names, apart from Jordan Brown, really, but it doesn't quite give the context because Joe Perry, we've known for Joe, about Joe Perry for decades. So he's sort of a, a top 16 around that player. But Joe Perry winning that tournament was so out of the blue. You know, you say Joe Perry winning a tournament doesn't seem that mad, but that one at that time was out of nowhere because he was barely winning a match, never, made, never mind a tournament. Uh, and Milkins, yeah, after what he'd been through and stuff. So, uh, yes, amazing stuff. And Jordan Brown, one of the great upsets ever, along with uh, Fang Zheng Yi within a year's time there at the European Masters. Um, enormous odds, 750 to 1, something like that. Um, so, yeah, it has been absolutely wild in terms of results uh, recently. And I think we mentioned last week, you know, they weren't getting to the final and then beating another shock runner there. Uh, and the last three runners up were Ronnie O'Sullivan, Judd Trump and Sean Murphy. So these guys were winning um, at huge odds, even just in the final, never mind in the tournament as a whole. So it's been uh, wildly unpredictable and uh, hope for a bit more this week. If I'm honest, I wouldn't mind seeing another one that no one was expecting. Yeah, and just you saying there about the pl- the players they beat, and the re- the really kind kind of amazing thing, not in the Perry example so much. That was nine five, I think, wasn't it? And Perry really sprinted for the line, showed no nerves. I remember saying on here quite the opposite. But the other ones were nine eight and nine seven. So it's almost even more amazing, you know, Jordan Brown going all the way, holding his nerve. Same to a slightly lesser extent with Milkins beating Murphy nine seven. You'd have strongly fancied the losing player. In all, in all those finals, frankly. Mm. Yeah, and you're, you're so right about Joe. I won't for the life of me remember what match it was or what the opponent was, but it, it, it struck me. There was some match, wasn't there, about a month before? And he said, oh, it just gave me a little something. I, I don't know what it was, but if you listen back to that episode... I'm pretty sure it was a qualifier. I can't remember the tournament, but I'm pretty sure it was a qualifier against Lee Walker. Wow. That, that, that's, that's Phil Haig for you. <laughs> was it? I forget which tournament, but I'm pretty sure it was Lee Walker who he beat soundly ah. and felt good again out of nowhere. It doesn't totally ring bells, but it, that makes sense. It it, do, it does kind of make sense. Yeah, exactly. And just thought there was something there, and he took that on, didn't he? He took that on. It might have been that one that he joked about the referee saying he played really well. He said, "Well, I can't play this game," but I think that was kind <laughs> of. The, 
that was kind of the vibe, wasn't it? Because he wa- he wasn't really doing much. And yeah, you're right. That was added so much to the sort of the quality of that story. And the last three years have just been brilliant. But I think, as you said, others have pointed out, another sort of quality about it is it hasn't been in keeping with the rest of the Welsh history, which has been pure big hitters. It's been an absolute, you know, just going through it year after year of just brilliant, brilliant, the best players in the game winning it. So that's also been another thing. But yeah, I say I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Welsh. I simply feel if I, if I would marry a tournament, I think I'd probably marry the Welsh. Just think, if I wanted to settle down with an event for the rest of my days, you know, pure blankets on the sofa, it, I couldn't do the crucible. That's too much pressure, too much. There's too much high stakes, you know. There's glitzy ones, you know, and all that, tour championship, champion of champions. That's a bit too much for me. The Welsh, I think I know where I stand. So, you know, that that that, that would be mine. I can see you looking you, – you're very kind. You're looking at me like I'm not mad, which is nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about the tro- – as I often do think about the trophies, and this was uh... – Actually, I think I think they split opinion, but I always used to really like the the Welsh slate trophy that they had, which was just a bit of grey slate, uh, and I thought that was a brilliant trophy because it was so so sorted to that tournament, that area of the world. But uh, I've seen people online not being fans of that and saying it's one of the worst trophies around. But I always thought it was very good um, and much better than the sort of generic home nation ones where they all look the same now. Um, but yeah. Um, but I think that one splits opinions, so uh, we'll leave it out there. Let us know if you like or don't like the bit of slate that people used to pick up for this tournament. And I, th- I, th- I think I can safely say, Phil, it's not at all obvious that we're filling time a bit because we've got less material <laughs> now without Tom Ford. I don't think anyone's noticed. No one has. Um, news, Judge Trump and Ronnie O'Sullivan uh, pulling out of the tournament. And David Grace, actually, as I was saying to you, uh, for personal reasons, just... Uh, before we came on air, Ronnie saying this on social media, it's hard to explain, but for years I've suffered from stage fright brought on by anxiety. It's not something I can predict or control, but I try to manage it as best as I can. I'm sorry to everyone who's bought tickets, but I just can't get my queue out uh, when I feel like this. And I think this is what's best for me right now. So we're not going to have those two. And I say David Grace as well, but, obviously, in terms of the, the big, big names, John and Ronnie. And it, it's noticeable they're together as a package, isn't it? I mean, it would be anyway. But they are the total dominant forces of this season. So I'm noticing on social media, people doing the rounds, you know, there's that, uh, are you telling me I've got a chance? That great gift that always goes around. <laughs> a lot of those top stars, and we've got a little bit of correspondence about, about those two l- later on, actually, and about how... Um, one of our listeners is saying they don't feel like the other players have really stepped up to the plate this season, which is a kind of fair case for saying that. But they'll be fancying their chances more now with those two not playing clearly, Phil. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it feels um, like it's almost as open as it could be, really, because they've really mopped up everything. This will be the first winner of 2024 that isn't Judd or Ronnie. Um, and it's not that long ago that you know Gary Wilson was winning the Scottish or Mark Allen was winning um, Champion Champions in the shootout, but yeah. feels a while ago. Um, and it just feels like those two have just dominated the season so much. Um, so you're looking at sort of the outsiders that might come through and they'll have a chance, but then you look at the draw and there's still 
Mark Selby, Neil Robertson, John Higgins, Mark Allen, Kyron Wilson. You know, it's not suddenly a free-for-all for people lower down the rankings to just pick up a tournament. But but those guys that I've just mentioned there have yeah. not been winning yeah. regularly. Um, and now they'll be thinking now is a great chance to do it. So, um, you know, there'll be a feeling of great opportunity among everyone in the field. Um, now, the top two of the season, the clear runaway top two of the season aren't there. Um and I did have a look at the at the betting. Would you have a? I don't know if you looked already, but no. who do you think would be favourite going into this with the bookmakers? Oh, what an interesting one. Um, could Mark Allen be? Well, you know what? That was going to be my point because I think I would have made him, but it's actually John Higgins, which is interesting, isn't it? Because wow. he's gone so long without winning anything. He's obviously got. I mean, it's John Higgins, so it's not that surprising. And he's got an incredible record in this tournament, but he's gone so long without winning anything. I was a little bit surprised to see him. Uh, so it's in order. Higgins, Selby, Robertson, then Allen. Wow. And I think Allen's been, been the most consistent winner of those four the last 18 months, um, quite by quite some way, I'd say. Wow. That feels like it's done on names there, doesn't it? I mean, we'll come to Neil and his improving form, continuing improving form later, but yeah. Of course, I was really very capable of winning, but but yeah, no, it, it, you're right in terms of the season. That's not really how it how it's panned out at all. But uh, I guess people like like you know putting money on their favourites type of thing. Big Higgins, big Higgins moment to come later, Phil to, to trail just a couple yes. of hours before we come on air. Of course, um, you know another uh, nice moment for John in his quite incredible career. But yeah, if you think about not to say he's not been winning them, of course, but he's just not been sealing the deal John as he that's the point you know he, in so many big matches so but but he's got a you know nice old history at the Welsh isn't he so it, it would be it would be it would be good to see him get to the latter stages it really would don't have famous in our game of course Phil we're forbidden from that but it, it, it would indeed, indeed be nice to see any of those big stars go all the way but yes yeah, Spicy Allen fourth favour I have to say but um, as I say no John and Ronnie but some cracking games to come to come matches to come before i forget to say there is extra t- television coverage this year i'm sorry to be uk centric for a moment but uh not only on eurosport as we expect but there is bbc digital services um coverage across the uk and on the television in wales in the mornings um and a few of our welsh listeners said they don't remember it in the mornings before the tellies that's good from 10 a.m um coming up so lo- loads of big big action for you if you're in the uk on the bbc i know there'll be various broadcasting arrangements outside the UK, which you can see on the WST website. Uh, Monday then, some, some good matches, Phil. Um, Neil Robertson-Jackson Page is one that I've um, scribbled down here. Can Neil continue that promising form he, he showed in Berlin and and at this week's Championship League, which we'll talk a, about a bit later. And uh, also then Sean Murphy against Barry Pinches. That was supposed to be David Grace, but it's now, it's now uh, Barry. And I had a look at their head-to-head. First Murphy pinches game at this tournament 15 years ago. Uh, but their last meeting, Phil, was the best part of a decade ago, so you can't really look too much at the heads-to-heads. Uh, Sean obviously will be a big favourite to win. Then Mark Allen, the aforementioned. Well, I wonder why, actually, I'd forgotten this until I come to it. I wonder whether the fact he's got Kaoyu Peng might um, affect that. I should have thought of that in the conversation yeah. two minutes ago. If I had my time back again, Phil, I'd have said that. <laughs> well, no, I think, I mean, I was going to come to that. That was still still to come because I, I'd look at his little <laughs> draw bracket. So, I mean, I, I still don't think he's bad value, but yeah, Cal Yupeng to start, 
And then if he wins that, it's Mahai Long. Fair enough, he's favourite for that. But then see if all goes to seeding, it would then be Si Jiahui and then Ding Junhui before oh, he's boy. even at the quarterfinals. So that that does explain it. He'll still be favourites going into those games, but just to get to the quarterfinals to beat Cao, Si and Ding is, is a tricky little quarter, to be fair. No, that... The, 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 the. There's much more detail there now, isn't there? That that's that's quite that's quite tough actually. Um, yeah, Mark Allen Cow. That's a repeat of the shootout final. Um, yes. th- th- this season and also, which I'd forgotten, I think pretty much uh, a famous world championship win many years ago for Cow. Um, early on, in, was that the year you were there, 2012? By the way, yes. And, and Mark actually said some things that he got fined for at the time. I think for oh. uh, suggesting that. Uh, Chinese players don't call fouls on themselves and things like that, uh, which he, he that's when he ended up taping his mouth shut, I think, at a press conference. So, he, <laughs> um, yeah, quite a memorable match. Well, well remembered. Well remembered, goodness. And uh, Barry Hawkins has got uh, Hegua Quang, uh, who has beaten Hawkins. I remember you saying listing the players he'd beaten, um, and that was at the British Open this season, a 4-3 win. And of course, he beat Mark Williams, didn't he? The German Masters, 5-1, cracking win last last week. So that will, certainly won't be a pushover there. Um, Barry will be favourite, but an interesting one to look forward to. Ali Carter, Elliot Slesser, their last meeting was at the, sh- the recent shootout too, actually. And, uh, well, Carter has predominantly been the dominant player in their head-to-heads over the years, but Slesser did win a best-of-five match at the British Open a few years ago. That was... Uh, that first British Open bat, wasn't it, of the, of the new era? And then we move on to another one. Mark Selby won Sijun. One beat Selby 5-2 last year's European Masters. But Mark had a narrow win, uh, 4-3 win at the World Grand Prix last month, which I still have vague memories of. But I think one came back very well, that, to, to draw level, but Mark won it in the decider. Luca Bussell's got Jiang Zhan, um, just 18 Jiang, first year on tour. I mean, look through his results, and of course, he did beat Jackson Page in UK Championship qualifying. Luca will really want to string some results together, Phil. I think you you maybe said, certainly others have said, that that first Saturday in Sheffield is not actually a million years away now. Um, and of course, the way he's going, he might not have that much snooker. So he'll want to build some confidence towards what is always a landmark day for any Crucible champion. So that'll be interesting to look at. So... Plenty maybe for you to sort of reflect on then. And then I know you're looking t- towards Tuesday and Wednesday matches. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Luca, I mean, he's got this and he's got the World Open because he's seeded through, not seeded through, but he's, he's held over to play there as the world champion. But it's going to take something of a miracle to get into the players of the tour. So he's not got much snooker to come. Um, I don't know why, because I, I imagine he was offered the chance to play in the Championship League um, and hasn't taken that. Uh, so yeah, if, if he doesn't get a couple of good runs uh, in London now and then at the World Open, then he's going to be turning up in Sheffield as a defending champion with uh, not much match practice or potentially any practice behind him. So um, yeah, it could be an awkward one, but um, we don't know. It could all look into gear. I saw him on his Instagram the other day. He was posting from a, a practice room. He was posting pictures of a snooker table rather than a Ferrari. So he is working. <laughs> um, so that's positive news. Um, and yeah, he's the kind of player. It could all click into gear at any point. Uh, he could he could be he could come through a scrappy game against Zhang Zhen and then go on a run. You never know. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope something does come because I would hate to see. You know he's been he's been really down. Really. When you've seen his interviews, he's been 
really lacking confidence, uh, not fancying winning at all. I would, I, I wouldn't like to see him turn at the crucible with that still, and then just get beaten handily by someone he should really be competing with. It would be quite sad to see uh, after what was incredible th- uh, achievement last year. So uh, hopefully something clicks. Um, but yeah, the one that stood out of the, what you mentioned there was Selby against Yuan because. He went a bit of a nightmare first round draw. Um, obviously, Selby's the favourite, and he's come through a Championship League group uh, this week. Looked good, um, but Yuan's very, very capable. So, uh, uh, not the easiest draw for Mark there. Um, and then, yeah, on to Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, a couple of ones that stood out, I suppose. Uh, Gary Wilson against Julian Boyko. Julian's still playing in. Albania, he'll be playing on Sunday, so we'll see how, how he gets on Sunday and then he'll be hot-footing it to Landon. No, I don't know what the connections between uh, <laughs> Gollum and Landon no are. <laughs> Probably not a well-trodden path, is it? <laughs> um, but we'll see how he gets on. Um, and then a couple of other ones that stood out. Uh, Gilbert against Ollie Lines, that's uh, an interesting one. There's actually a few, because um, we're getting to that point of the season, really, where, you know, tour survival and stuff is... is on people's minds and Ollie Lines is is within the 64 but not not super comfortable he needs a couple of wins probably uh, and there's a couple of others on here you know Ben Mertens is playing Fang Zhen Yi Ben probably needs uh, a win or two um, there's a couple of others on the edge there Dylan Emery's playing not on Sam Kemp tough game for Dylan Emery but he's sort of on that borderline Julian Leclerc's around there he's playing Hossein Vafai so you know, these aren't easy games for these guys I'm talking about, but um, they might be okay, even if they don't get many more wins, but they're on the cusp and we're getting towards that point at World Championship qualifying when it'll be all on that. But if you can get a few points before that, that'd be very handy. But um, yeah, a few a few names there. Then Matthew Stevens against Ricky Walden. That's another eye-catching game. Uh, they've been going at it for a while. Uh, Wakelin against O'Donnell, another sort of bruising first uh, early round game. Um, so plenty to look forward to. Um, the other one I've got written down here, Jordan Brown against Stan Moody. Um, they spent a lot of time practising. I remember Jordan was on here um, and he spoke a lot of t- about time he spent at levels in Huddersfield playing with Stan. Um, so they know all about each other um, and that'll be interesting to see as well. So yeah, plenty to look forward to early on. Really is. And I feel like as we've been going through some of these matches, it kind of undermines that stuff about fancying the chances without John and Morning. Because as you suggest, there are so many good players. I mean, you know, let's not you know labour that point because to, to win this tournament is still going to be a, a kind of Herculean achievement, eh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just a load of those guys there who, you know, they're not regular tournament winners by any means. But you'd be surprised to go deep, you know. Um, Marco Fu is one of those <laughs> early goes in there early on um, nightmare draw for the top seeds um, yeah I mean all these guys are very capable someone like Vafai was expecting at some point to sort of burst through maybe that's this is his week um, you mentioned actually when you were talking about Richard Mann's t- tips when I was looking at the betting before Matt Selt was one that stood out to me as well I think he's the kind oh. of guy that could burst out at some point just uh, such a capable player but so many of them, and um, but then yeah, like I said, you look at those kind of names who would be sort of outsiders, and you think, oh, Judd and Ronnie aren't there. It's time for one of those guys to maybe burst through. And but as I said, 
Selby's there, Robertson's there, Higgins, Williams, Kyron, you know, um, just because Judd and Ronnie aren't there doesn't mean it's just anyone's game. There's just, there's multiple world champions in there. So uh, not easy, but people should see it as an opportunity nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Gammy's never really, well, not never really, it's never been my thing. Uh, it's one of the vices I've never had, one of the few ones, really. Uh, but I, I have to say that um, I think if I was the kind of person to have a flutter, it is those ones further down that you see the real value. Because you, you say about the value of Cell, I thought that about Ford, Gary Wilson and and Cell. If you, and we've all looked at Richard's article at Cell and Sporty Love. I thought they all looked like cracking good value. Put a few quid on there now. They're the kind of guys that really will give you a run for your money. Whereas some of those ones at the top, I mean, I don't know if you remember what sort of odds Higgins were, but it always seems pre- quite prohibitive to me, the Robertsons. And sometimes you have to, because you think, you know, some of these big hitters are in such great form, like a Ronnie. You know, you sort of think, well, he's still worth a few quid on Ronnie, like the Masters, because he's Ronnie. But some, you know, I suppose it's the same in most sports, isn't it? But but maybe even more in snooker, actually, and a bit like golf, I'd say. Um you know, compared to something like tennis, for example, where in the golden era we've just had, it's a bit of a mug's game to go too low down. But in snooker, you're going down to sort of 10, 15, 20 down. You're thinking, oh, that's a, that's not bad. I'll have a flutter there, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, I've got I've got the odds here. Actually, Higgins 13 to 2 is the favourite. Oh. We're not a betting podcast, but we'll just dibble into it here. But yeah, Celt was one that I, that down there at 50 to 1. That's more sort of uh, worth a little quid or two there. Uh, but Alan, I was saying before, 10 to 1. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it sort of feels like it's open, but but it's tricky as well. You know, you've got like Jack Lasowski is 18 to 1, which doesn't seem that long for someone who's never won a tournament before. Um, but yeah, as I say, we're not betting, to, we're not, we're not out here tipping stuff, but um, there's more value in this one, I imagine, than uh, than in most tournaments because it's very, very open. We're not a betting podcast, we're a a time-filling podcast this week. That's that's <laughs> that's the point. Um, now, Phil, we've got to say, unless you've got anything more, you know, particularly on pressing more on your mind, moving on to the Championship League. Well, it's going to be a great tournament, of course. Look forward to everybody. If you are going to Clandidno, we know it's a, a smashing snooker venue now. Please let us know your experience. We, we rely on that. We're not going us. I don't. I say we're not going us. I don't think you are. I'm, I'm certainly not. not um, so we will. We, we'll be. Be great to hear your views. Talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talking snooker. The Championship League, Phil. I'm not going to do my senders gag. Come on, I, I, even I, even I have limits. Um, big hitting week we mentioned last time, and, and big hitting winners has to be said. And uh, the first of those was Mark Selby, who who beat John Higgins um, to get into the winners group on Tuesday. And I wanted some time to uh, address the interviews plural you did when you went to the championship league, which you can tell us about going there and your experience. But I think specifically your Mark Selby interview, which was just a, a, a great effort on your part, very moving interview, Mark, let you talk about it. It's your interview, you know, as if he hasn't had enough to deal with in life. He's been through some really, really tough times lately. Yeah. Um, yeah, really grateful for, to Mark for sort of speaking out on that. Um, it's, uh, uh, yeah, really terrible time for him. Um, I don't know if anyone's read it or not, but if you haven't, then uh, have a look at my Twitter on Metro. But, um, yeah, he spoke about, um, he actually started speaking about his, his sort of close friend, um, 
who died recently of cancer, um, only 44 years old, which is really heartbreaking. But that that led him to speaking more about uh, his wife, Vicky's uh, cancer scare. She was diagnosed with cancer at the start of last year. Um, and she's doing all right, though. She's um, hopefully going to be absolutely fine. Um, but, you know, he was dealing with that throughout the entirety of last year until now. Um, and just puts sort of, I mean, Suka becomes much less important, obviously, compared to things like that. But puts achievements like getting to the World Championship final into incredible context. Um, that he, what his family were going through when that was happening. Um, so yeah, the moving stuff from Mark. Uh, I won't go through it all now, but yeah, the, the articles out there um, to read if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and yeah, he was he was very open and honest. And we all know what he was dealing with as well that he's spoken about before his mental health problems, um, which were not made any easier by that all that situation having to deal with that. So yeah, great strength from him and his family and lots of respect um to those guys and uh best wishes for what they're dealing with, continue to deal with. Um but yeah, it was very good about to, to speak about all that stuff because didn't have to, but um I think he wanted sort of people to know about it. But yeah, um and I suppose to everyone else at Championship League, it's a great little tournament for that. Um they've sort of got a lot of time to hang around and not doing very much. So it's a good chance to grab people for 20 minutes to have a good one-on-one -on -one chat with. So I spoke to John Higgins, uh, Karen Wilson, Gary Wilson, uh, Zhao Gudong as well. I, I put one up today. Um, I was speaking to Zhao about just the challenges and difficulties of being an overseas player in England um, and Sheffield uh, in particular. I was asking about living there and it that was quite interesting. So yeah, I've got loads of stuff. Um, on my social media on Metro Snooker. Um, so have a look if you haven't seen it. But um, yeah, good stuff from all those guys. I thought um, I just had to write it up, but it was good words from those guys. Well, you got it out of them, which is great stuff as well. Metro.co.uk and uh, go to the Snooker page on there for all your all your work, Phil. And it, I mean, it, it is really interesting, isn't it? The Championship League. I've been a few times, like you, not to cover that event, more to do other things, other interviews. A couple of times I've done my world interview for the programme there. And it really lends itself well to that because they, they've got that time during the day, the big gap. They are quite relaxed, aren't they? It's sort of, mm. I, I think it's probably hard to say, but probably halfway between their normal disposition in life. If, no, actually, it's, that's, it's not halfway. It's much closer to their, their player mentality than that. But they're certainly more relaxed than they are, you know, the masters when you when you, you don't approach them, frankly, you know, you, you're you in a normal press conference. It, it's so different, isn't it? And it's a real interesting experience for journalists, day. Eh? Yeah, I mean, because it's not, it doesn't feel like, it's not, I mean, they may have just played a match, but it's not your sort of post-match press conference where you're dissecting what's just happened and it's quite formal. Um, it did feel like, oh, we've just got 20 minutes, let's have a chat, um, rather than, you know, we're stood there sat behind a desk and you're doing a, a formal press conference kind of thing. So, yeah, from my point of view, it was, it was superb. I, I I sort of just let my – I didn't even know when it was going to happen. I just sort of let them know I was there. And then when they had time, they'd come and find me. And then I think they're, they're quite happy to do it because they're there for two days or in some cases sort of six days – and a lot of time just hanging around in Leicester, not doing anything. So uh, if they can sort of chat to someone for 20 minutes, half an hour about something half interesting, then uh, they're very happy to do it. Um, and uh, I, I try to make my interviews at least half interesting. So uh, 
uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a real good day, and you know, it, with stuff like that, Mark interview, like uh, you know, I was pleased with the story and stuff, but you don't really want to be like, oh, that was a great story because because it, it is so sad, and you know, I, I was pleased he told me and I wrote it up as well as I could, um, but you don't want to sort of revel in it because it's such a horrible thing to talk about. But in general, I was really pleased with stuff we got out that day and got to tell those stories. Yeah, that's a, a, a very good way of saying it. Um, now, we move on to the other results. Neil Robertson beat Kyron Wilson 3-2 um, to get into the winners' group on Thursday. Continuing improved form from, from Neil, should be said. Uh, John Higgins beating Ricky Warden 3-2 tonight, uh, Saturday night. So it's Selby Robertson, Higgins, Stuart Bingham and Chris Wakelin into the winners' uh, stage so far. So some, some, certainly some big hitters there. We've seen two one four sevens, Phil. Um, Kyron Wilson with a fifth one four seven maximum break early this week, and just today, John Higgins making the thirteenth one four seven of his brilliant career. Um, I'll just push up um, the grainiest piece of footage you can ever imagine, Phil, um, on Twitter. I'm saying it's the grainiest sporting footage since video Tom knocked Manchester United out of the UEFA Cup on penalty kicks in 1985. It's a lot of decades since since anyone has seen a grainier piece of footage. But that aside, great from John. He's still got it. He he might he might be struggling to get over the line in tournaments, but um, you know, he's he's still got that 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 mark that eternal mark of quality. Yeah, and, and even in that grainy footage you can see that it is an unusual maximum because the pink is right by the bulk cushion, the final pink. Which you don't see too often, you know, the pink won't be at its spot, but it's really down there when they're knocking in a one four seven. So he has to get right down by the bolt cushion with an angle to get back on the black, which he did brilliantly, uh, and finish that off. So uh yeah, superb stuff. And uh yeah, Karen Wilson made the one early in the tournament. So I think I think I hope this is right, that puts us on hundred and ninety-eight maximums ever. So we're coming up to the two hundredth. Um incredible and actually john has been making centuries uh at an incredibly rapid rate this week uh it's a bit of a race between him and judd to get to a thousand the next person to get to a thousand um and judd was actually scheduled to play in the championship league this week but obviously winning in germany didn't bother um but that's i think that's put him a bit behind in that race if he's bothered um <laughs> uh, but yeah john's gone ahead again but i'm they're obviously both going to get there but maybe higgins is going to just beat judd to that now yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's certainly uh, he's uh, done himself his prospects no harm with what's happened in recent days for sure. So uh, we've enjoyed the Championship League action, as we say, always a bit lower key, but uh, the higher key stuff is coming right back up, of course, for the Welsh, followed by the Players Championship. Bill, the WSF Championship continues in Albania until well tomorrow, as we're speaking now, Sunday in the UK. Sunday semi-finals are decided. Uh, it's Chuang uh, K Wei against Julian Boyko and Daniel Wormersley against Gao Yang. And I was having a look at the quarterfinal results and it uh, looks like some uh, the dramatic old matches looking at the scoring. Julian Boyko beat Wang Yushen 4 3. Chuang K Wei beat Oliver Sykes 4 2. It was Gao Yang 4, uh, Natanar Pong Shekel 2, and Daniel Wormersley 4, Rodion Judin 3. And, uh, well, there we are. There, there's lots of big names that have already departed, Phil. Some familiar 
names we know so well on tour. So it just shows, you know, if you get, as we said before, it all got underway. If you get to the last stage of this, you've really earned it. So it's a big action to come on Sunday. And of course, the big prize up for grabs, a tour card. Yeah, it's huge. Um, I know, yeah, as you said, there were loads of big names. And uh, uh, yeah, it looks the last 16 on Saturday. It was hard to say what, who was going to come through. It was very difficult. Um, and looking at the semi finals, very difficult as well. Um, Maybe Daniel Wormersley is is the underdog there. I don't know. I guess I guess if you look at those two, you'd go. I mean, Boyko and Gower, the two that have been on tour before, so maybe you'd go with them. But uh, Chun Kaiway has been has been sort of one of the top amateurs for a long time. He's got a lot of good results against people that have been on tour. As has Wormersley. Um, he's just not been uh, got that got, got over that uh, barrier before. He's he's in a northern snooker centre lad. Um, so they're all capable, you know. Short matches, best of seven. Um, I'd say I'm not picking a winner there, but whoever, yeah, like you say, whoever comes through that has very much deserved it. Um, it's a lot of slog, a uh, huge amount of matches to play, and a lot of very evenly matched matches. So to come through, um, is very impressive. Uh, yeah, can't pick a winner. Can't even pick someone I'd like to come through. Um, so best of luck to all four of them, and uh, looking forward to seeing them on tour. Very much so. If I get a few idle moments in the next couple of days, I might work out that Albania to, to Clandidno. It's definitely going to, I think it's definitely going to involve a flight from Tirana, probably to London, but that won't, I'm sure that won't be direct. So that's two flights. Then probably a long train. Then, oh goodness, you'd have to get to Tirana to begin with. That's probably a, a bus ride, I imagine. Hard, hard, hard yards. Yeah. That's that, that's going to be tough. Um, So we, we, we wish... Union well, of course, with that journey. We wish all the players remaining in the tournament well. We'll let you know about the winner next time we're on air here on Talking Snooker. And uh, so there's been loads of cracking action uh, on the table. And uh, I think we've got some correspondence to deal with next, Phil. And we'll do that. And we should say you are listening here to Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
It's time for your views now. Thank you for them. Um, you've been, they've been ticking over nicely in the last week or two. And uh, let's catch up, up with it now and begin with Scott Carey in Ireland. Uh, dear Nick and Phil, I'm a massive fan of the pod. You do excellent work engaging with the fans as well as giving genuinely good snooker talk and a well-balanced approach, something I'm genuinely appreciative of. I only have one thing in relation, one thing to say in relation to the Saudi Invitational. I'll try to keep this as a letter to the editor style, short email, and I'm also loath to make this some sort of months-long running theme of your show. But a point made by a fellow listener last week compelled me to write to you. The point of America and Britain's human rights record isn't being talked about is nonsense on its face. The America's Q Tour and all the events in the UK are not sponsored by, funded by and operated for the benefit of the governments of those two countries. Even in China, much of the actual work on funding is with promoters. The Saudi event is a direct attempt, as with all their international sporting endeavours in recent years, to improve their reputation through sport and to associate their government with sport instead of the brutality and repression that they are rightfully known for. The UK Championship is not being run by the UK government. This is a key, key difference in how any honest person should approach the recent sports rush on Saudi. Yours, Sean. Thank you for your for your for your comments, Sean. Appreciated. Um, totally agree with you. Not not want, wanting to make this you know months long theme of the show. Definitely, as we don't want to do with any issue. You know, we did, we felt that way even about the most serious issue, um, directly affected with snooker in the history of this pod, which is the match fixing crisis. Phil, we dealt with that over a, a matter of weeks, I think, and we of course will always re- refer to it. But you know, we, we, as with any issue, you, you don't want to become. Um, consumed by it you've got to keep everything rightly in its place but listen we are grateful it's a clear case of sports washing with Saudi's approach to sport no question we've seen it with Newcastle live golf boxing we expect more cricket and tennis to come and that as we said before here that's the obvious difference um with regards particularly to snooker in China I know you mentioned the US here but the inroads that the US is making to snooker are pretty modest so far, whereas obviously China plays a huge part uh, in, in this sport. In fact, Phil, we're going to be announcing, uh, or not, it's been announced, we're going to be recapping the announcement of a new tournament in China um, before we sign off for this episode. We'll, we'll mention that later on. Um, so China's got a, you know, a, plays a huge part in this sport, of course. I mean, listen, there's no doubt, um, looking at China, that. Uh, it's committed some appalling human rights offences and still does, uh, you know, as I said on here a couple of weeks ago. But the sports washing argument doesn't really apply with China. You know, that's their tournament run by promoters. It's a completely different thing. So, I, you know, I, I, I do, you know, see the value in the point you're making for sure, uh, Sean. And, you know, as I said a few times on here now, Phil, I think it's probably for a previous generation of journalists to address these issues. They were around when Snooker first went to China. I think I was drinking my way through a politics degree at the time at York University, Phil. So I had, <laughs> I had little influence, frankly. And, you know, I don't think the journalists in those times said much. I, I think there's a defence for that because we simply knew less about issues then. I don't think there's an excuse for journalists now, to be honest. Uh, I think we know we know too much now. Information is available at the click of a button. And I think, you know, journalists have a duty to address these issues. That's what we're doing now, Phil. We're part of the media scene now. So, 
you know, we're around right now in 2024 when, uh, you know, the first ever event in Saudi Arabia has been announced. So we're, we're addressing the issues now. But, you know, I certainly do take the point on board that, you know, the, the difference is, and you said this, actually, I think when we did our first episode on it, um, well, we, we certainly both did. I think you may have, have agreed and expanded on my point. It, The sports washing case doesn't really apply in the same way. That's the thing with Saudi. It's a clear attempt to... um refigure if you like the way people think about the country to associate it with this sport as an entertainment business and not the appalling human human rights offenses that i outlined a few of them briefly on here they're very easily able to be seen on amnesty international it, it's not in the same league as a country as the united states that's completely disingenuous every country has its imperfections its flaws where we live certainly does but it's disingenuous to compare that that's my view um, but I agree about not saying it for weeks on end, but we're going to have the old bit of correspondence probably for a while because it's been such a big issue. But um, uh, I think I've called you Sean there. My apologies. It's Scott, isn't it? Good points made by Scott, I think, Phil. Yeah, you know, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, yeah, it's a different thing um, entirely uh, when things are just run by the government or not. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree with that email entirely. Um, Justin Barnes here, uh, fan of Justin on Twitter. Uh, good, good, good correspondent as always. Uh, I was delighted to hear the news that young Hungarian player Bolshu Reves has earned a spot on the main tour. But I couldn't help but notice you were both struggling to pronounce his name on the latest podcast. Nick went with a va- valiant Bolshu Reves <laughs> arrangement, I recall. Luckily, I can hope. Help. Uh, I I knew those Hungarian night classes I did years ago would come in handy one day. The key things here are that CS in Hungarian is pronounced as soft ch, like in chocolate, and SZ is pronounced the same as in English, as an S in English. The Z is silent. If you see S on its own Hungarian word, it's pronounced sh, and the first U in butchu is pronounced as a silent, slightly elongated oo. Uh, this is probably easier to read than to listen to, to be fair. But, uh, so his name is actually a lot simpler than it looks to pronounce. Bulchu Reves. Yeah, that is easier. If you bung his name into Google Translate, you can hear it in all its glory. Incidentally, I was told that Hungarian is one of the top five hardest languages in the world to learn. There is nothing really like it. Seven countries surrounding Hungary, none of which has a language remotely like theirs. Apparently, there are a few similar words in Finnish, due to initial settlers in Hungary coming down from the Urals. But unless you speak Finnish, that's not going to help much. Anyhow, fantastic stuff, Bulshu, or fantastigus, as they say in Hungary. Look forward to seeing you play on tour. All the best, Justin. So let me go back to the key part of that. Bulshu Reves. That's what we're going with. Bulshu Reves. I think I even butchered that, even after... after. Revez, okay, Revez, good man. Forget the Z, I think that's the, that's the key. That's the key. I didn't think the, the sentence, apparently there are a few similar words in Finnish due to initial settlers in Hungary coming down from the Urals would feature on Talking Snooker uh, anytime. But this this podcast never fails to, to surprise me and us, Phil. Let's move on. Thank you, Justin, uh, to Scott McCarter in County Tyrone. I think he's a terrific judge of the game. He says, dear Nick and Phil, I wanted to place Judd Trump's four ranking titles this season in historical context. 
When Trump arrived in Belfast for the 2018 Northern Ireland Open, he had won eight ranking tournaments and had not won one for 13 months. Since then, he has won 19 ranking tournaments plus two Masters and has got himself one behind Steve Davis. It's actually amazing, isn't it, by the way, looking at those numbers. That, just saying that, 19 in that, what's that? Not even, not not six years yet. Amazing. That's me talking. Uh, back to Scott now. Having said that, Trump does not get the credit he deserves. I agree with Neil Robertson, who said that Ronnie O'Sullivan has at times been awful. Ronnie may be winning, brackets when he turns up, but with the exception of the Ding World Grand Prix semi, the actual snooper has been very average. Trump is player of the season and deserves to be more fully lauded. P.S. As a theology graduate, I was very pleased that Nick and Dave knew their Bibles better than Phil. I'll give him a crash course next time you come over the Irish She. Thanks for everything, men. Yours, Scott. <laughs> I quite like the thanks for everything, men. That's a nice touch. Um, I, I, I think I know you well enough now, Phil, hey, to say that if you went across the Irish Sea to meet up with Scott, you'd probably rather talk about snooker, wouldn't you, and beer than the, the Bible. But anyway, well, it, well <laughs> I think I'm working that in a moment. But, um, yeah, interesting, that stuff about Neil, because I don't think he was particularly happy with that, that that story emanating about him saying Ronnie was awful. But I know he, he himself said Ronnie wasn't annoyed. I mean, Ronnie wouldn't be annoyed. He, he himself said that. You know, you know, Ronnie's the first one to say he thinks he's been... Ordinary. I mean, ordinary at times, you know, he says awful. It's more like, you know, by his amazing standards, ordinary. I said a few times on here, what Ronnie's done for me is he's scrapped, which will always be an underrated Ronnie thing. And he's shown genius when it matters. You you couldn't say it's been flawless snooker, hardly ever, with the exception of Ding, the match in which he was incredible in, as as Scott rightly mentions here. So um, there we are. I mean... uh, yeah, uh, well, listen, it's close between John and Ronnie. I, I guess I go with the the thing about the, the tournaments Ronnie's won have, have, have been have, have been bigger, uh, but there's not much in it. And frankly, just been amazing. You know, he, what he's done has been has been stunning, really, to win three in a row and follow it up so soon. Because we kind of said on here that three in a row. He'll probably now face a, a dip. It wasn't really much of a dip, even in the sort of dip he was getting into semis, getting fine finals. That one he lost to Ronnie recently. So, yeah, take your point on board. Um, good thoughts. Um, and uh, Trump not getting the credit he deserves. Phil, what's your, what's your verdict on that? Yeah, yeah, well, I think I think he, he really does actually. And a couple of other finals, and I mean, he just lost to Ronnie in the Grand Prix. Um, he lost to Allen in the Champion of Champions. And I often think, especially in world finals more than anything, runners up don't get the credit they deserve. You know, they've won an awful lot of friends, uh, frames, uh, beating a lot, <laughs> beating a lot of good players to get there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could argue that just been the player scene. I, I'd go with Ronnie because the the Masters in the UK are huge tournaments. Um, but you know, there's there's a number of tournaments still to come, and as I think we said last week, it's all going to come down to the the World Championship. Uh, between to decide between the two, um, but yeah, he can't be critical of either. And yeah, I, I, it was interesting actually. Neil talking about that um, about his own words. Um, what he said was absolutely fine, and it it, it was more about the how the media uh, used it because uh, I think so. I, I wrote that story up actually, but I put it in, and that's quite an eye catching headline which I used. You know, uh, Robertson said O'Sullivan's been awful times this season. But 
me being a conscientious journalist, put it all in the correct context and explained what he meant and how, you know, it, you know, he didn't play his best at times. He could have lost, uh, you know, Joe Yulong and Robert Milkins, the UK, things like that. He could have easily lost those matches because he wasn't buying that well. But um, people who don't cover snooker that regularly will take those quotes, take out the context and just be, Robertson says O'Sullivan's awful. Um, and it's used less well. And I think that's the kind of stuff he wasn't happy with. And that's why I had a conversation with Ronnie on the phone to make sure that he knew that he wasn't saying those things. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the kind that's the, that's what the media landscape we, we work in quotes come out and then they're used by a number of publications and by the eighth publication they used in, they may well not still be in the context that they were meant. And you've got to help hope that people use do use them correctly, but um, especially when people are, who don't cover snooker regularly, um, that won't often happen. So I think that's what Neil was annoyed about in that situation. But you know, it happens. Um, and as he said, him and Ronnie aren't falling out about it, so that's good. Um, so move on to John, which is the last one here. Uh, I think it's right that Ronnie and Judd are getting so much credit for their brilliant seasons. But what's happened to everyone else? It seems to be that despite both being genuinely special snooker players, they're getting a pretty easy ride from their rivals at the top of the game. Unless someone else comes to, into brilliant form in the next month or two, I'm struggling to see anyone else apart from O'Sullivan or Trump winning in Sheffield. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that at the minute... And I stress that at the minute because things do change very quickly. But, yeah, uh, if you're picking a World Championship winner, you'd be going out on a limb to pick it, anyone either than those two. I mean, Mark Allen has won two ranking events this season. He's One is the shootout, fair enough. Um, no, not sorry, two ranking events. One was the champion champions, but two events. Um, so he's not a million miles away. But, yeah, if, if you're going on a form this season... You'd be, you'd be taking a punt if you weren't going with either of, of the big two. Um, that wouldn't mean to say you're definitely wrong, but it would still be a punt. I think that's fair to say. I, I think so. I mean, the, the only sort of caveat I'd say on that is the old thing we always say is that, and I, and I never really get it right into my bloody head until the first morning of it. I'm like, yeah, I've been saying it, but now I feel it. And that's one is like nothing else. There, there is There is no comparison to it. There is all form is important in the season, of course, but the number of times guys that haven't done much that season, they'll come there and play well, or the or the opposite, guys that have played well for months, they're suddenly maybe because they're worn out or whatever, they're not playing well. So it's a tournament in itself. However, I think Bonnie and Judd are so extraordinary, they kind of buck that trend. Of course, people like Alan will attract interest, of course, Selby will. I think I said Selby we had a Christmas special and my my main reckoning for that was he hasn't done much this season so that's how funny sort of snooker and sport can be that it'll be time for him type thing um, I don't know what I'll say near the time but you know I just think it is a, such an unusual tournament but they are both doing so well that you kind of feel at the moment you know that's where you would lean to be to, to being one of those and as I said of course Whoever the player of the season being so close, it might well become down to, to that. And of course, the winner of that will definitely be the player of the season. But no, as for your point, John, about other players, I think I've seen other players make this point. It's a fair case, isn't it? I mean, you know, there are a few guys that 
need to step up to the plate a bit. The bigger hitters, the ones that are slightly below bigger hitters, you know, they're not, you know, Ronnie and Judd, you know, I think Judd's played pretty well, actually, a lot of the time. But Ronnie, you know, in patches has, funny enough, again, another mention for, we should have a bell, ding, ding, another mention for my sporting love, Colin, talking about Judd Trump's aura. And that's what they have. That's what they, those champions have. And most of the guys do as well. Selby does to some extent. Of course, Robertson does even now. But Judd and Ronnie have got that now absolutely in spades. And it's very intimidating. You know, it can be an imperceptible thing. But I think as a sports fan, as sports lovers, you know when you're in the presence of that aura. And even on television, you can you, you can sense that. You sense it more in person, but you, you sense it on TV. And they've got that. And that's very hard. I was saying in the column, you know, Someone think it's worth a frame or two to Judd or, mm-hmm. and Ronnie, and the best of seven—that's a lot. <laughs> and that, 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 that's frankly, you know, what it what it, what it can be like. So, yeah, um, fair points. World Championship, but again, it, it just, you know, they'll be the, the favoured ones for sure. But it's such a such a, a tournament on its own that it, it, you can never say for sure that you know you, you fancy a particularly play, player or another because it, there's so many sort of variables. Good, good correspondence, Phil. Should say as well. Interestingly, I think it might have been one day after the next. We've had two requests in um, for the la- in this last week, while this last week for us to speak to Tatiana Wollaston, um, which I think you pointed out she was the referee in the final just gone. So that may be in, in people's minds, but I, I like that suggestion. Um, we don't make guarantees on here because we, you know, we never quite know. About about whether it's always able to get uh, able to get people or schedules or what have you, but we'll try because Tatiana would be a lovely guest, wouldn't it? We'll probably wait a while because we had Paul Collier on not so long ago, didn't we? So we space out, you know, referees and the way we space out all all different facets of the game if we can. But uh, yeah, lovely suggestion. I'm 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 all for that. Maybe we'll get that on one day. And uh, again, I'll I'll be marvelling as I always am in the presence of any referee for like, how the bloody hell do they do that job? Yeah, yeah, well, I, I absolutely love that episode recently with Paul Collier. So, um, yeah, all for Tatiana being on. She'd be a great guest. I, I think that must have been that because I think I must have been watching that final and thinking that we should get her on. And then, and then we got those two, those two uh, bits of correspondence saying the same thing. So, yeah, we should do that at some point. Um, but yeah, plenty of time for that. Um, uh, but yeah, no, any suggestions though, uh, on a, on the same note, really, but. Um, we obviously come up with the ideas and there's obvious ideas that happen but if there's anyone out there who you would love to hear from who we haven't had on and, haven't, and maybe haven't heard on from on any podcast or anywhere then uh, let us know because we can always dig people out if uh, if there's any uh, great uh, lust I was going to say lust for them out there is lust the right word Nick? That sounds a bit wrong A bit wrong maybe but um but what is also a bit wrong, of course, is if we get a brilliant suggestion in, um, we'll just say it was our suggestion. It won't give any credit to the, the correspondent and no one will know yeah, any different. Yeah, yeah. And they'll believe us because we're the stars. So <laughs> it'll be all right. Phil, we've done well, haven't we, to, to, to tick around somewhere near the hour mark. I think it's ending on the business time. Um, new event in China next season. Uh, uh, mentioned it earlier. The Xi'an Grand Prix, um, which will be from August 19th to 23th it struck me that i'll be on a bit of a post-olympic uh, games come down at, at that time feels so that will certainly help with that some nice snooker action from china and got some dates generally for the 24 25 season 
no dates actually the Shanghai Masters, but we are told that will be in July. So that's a big old event to be early in the season. That's that's really given the that summer of changed around, isn't it? That's given the summer a, a real bit of lustre. To, to similar words you just used that um, the Xi'an Grand Prix. Then, as we say, August nineteenth to twenty fifth. The Wuhan Open, October seventh to thirteenth. That's the back. Of course, it had its first one this season. The International Championship from November third to tenth, and then into next year, the World Open, March third to ninth, twenty twenty five. So. Yeah, I mean, I've always gone on record and said that that's the least of the four seasons for me, uh, summer. But yeah, I might have to be uh, reassessing that stance a little bit with a nice big event like the Shanghai Masters coming up, Phil, in July. Lots of competition, but um, I think it will take its it's slot in a busy sporting period. That's a a good tournament for kicking off. And then the new one uh, in Xi'an, that famous city, uh, in August. Yeah, well, yeah, so we've been given the provisional dates for Chinese events. Um, so we'll see where what else fills in around that. I've not I've not seen a uh, provisional calendar, um, but we've got used to sort of the Championship League being the curtain raiser, as it were, but of the lowest of key curtain raisers. But if we're getting the Shanghai Masters as the curtain raiser in July, that's, that's a higher key one. Um, and, yeah, like you say, August... Um, all the way through to November at the International Championship. So it's not quite the the uh, the Asian swing that people are talking about and putting them all together uh, because there's going to be flitting in between uh, the UK and between that. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of, lot of flying to China and back for players. But uh, it's big money. That Xi'an, uh, the new tournament in Xi'an, um, is real big money. I think it was sort of... And oh, I can't remember. I'm not going to in front of me, but it was one of the bigger prize money tons on the tour. So, uh, uh, you know, earning opportunities, playing opportunities, it's all good for for the players. So, yeah, good to see. Um, I would say that you know when when the pandemic happened and we lost China, and then we had no other tournaments other than behind closed doors in the UK, and then the normal UK ones and a bit of Germany, then the powers that be were very keen on saying, we're not just going to rely on China anymore. It's not all going to be in China. Um, and now all the tournaments in China. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's good to have these on the big money events on the, on the calendar. It's not bad, but it would be better if they, they spread it about a bit because they recognize that as a problem. We don't want to be entirely reliant on one or two bases of countries. We want to expand in different markets. So good, but let's see some other things as well, I'd say. And I think that brings us to pretty much the end of the episode, Phil. Um, It struck me that we've got an absolutely titanic sporting Sunday coming up. My goodness me. First and foremost, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers doing battle in a repeat of the NFL showpiece game from four years ago. Also, the Africa Cup of Nations final, Ivory Coast, Nigeria. Six Nations game in Dublin, Ireland v Italy. And a couple of very appealing Premier League games, West Ham v Arsenal. And then the game I will be at at Villa Park, Aston Villa against Manchester United. So mouthwatering Sunday to come. But... As good snooker people, we see all that as an appetizer feel. The Welsh, Monday morning, we can all settle down and enjoy the old table game. And uh, one of the events that I know I, I, I love very much, and uh, I'm sure many of you 
share those sentiments. I, if I know you do, because I, I speak to fans and they often say that to me. Smashing week to look forward to in Clandidno. We'll be back after it, of course, to review the action. And, uh, well, the event seemingly has a never-ending propensity to show up drama and magic moments, Phil, but it, asking too much again after... Messrs. Jordan Brown, Joe Perry, Robert Milkins, who knows? But we'll have fun finding out, won't we? We certainly will, yeah. I mean, as we said, without running and Judd there, it feels like it's asking for another surprise winner. But as I also said, there's plenty of big names still. So we don't know, but we'll watch it and we'll find out and we'll enjoy doing so. Indeed. Live across the UK on uh, Eurosport, of course, and on the BBC, on television in Wales, if you're in Wales, uh, elsewhere in the UK on digital services and there will be broadcast information elsewhere loads of places to watch uh, Eurosport I'm sure in other parts of Europe but beyond that match from live I'm sure probably some action on Facebook as well but uh, rather than me guess the actual relevant information will be there for you on the World Snooker Tour website keep your thoughts coming to us on any snooker matter uh, or indeed your questions for Tom Ford who will join us on here at the end of February tweet us at Talking Snooker or email talkingsnooker at yahoo.com tweet us Talking Snooker or email talkingsnooker at yahoo.com I salute you and say instead of match of the day we've recorded this episode we'll try and catch the rest of it now shall we and uh, and, and no doubt we'll be swapping messages during the Welsh um, enjoy the tournament a lot and I'll see you again after it Phil Yes, absolutely. Always a pleasure. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we'll speak to you after Landed Now. Indeed. And uh, that's your lot for now. Thanks very much indeed for your company. From your old friends, Phil Haig and Nick Metcar. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network.